Welcome to Lights at the End of the Tunnel, a place where we shine a light on, rant, complain, and try to find solutions about the MGA. After all, we are all in these tin cans together. Welcome back to Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Glad to have you back. Episode 22, recorded January 6, 2019. On this episode, I speak with Philip Leff. Philip is the volunteer North Brooklyn Activist Committee Chair of, of the Transportation Alternatives. Transportation Alternatives was founded in 1973. It is an organization trying to reclaim New York City from congestion producing cars to a city where biking, walking, and public transportation are your main forms of transit. With 100,000 supporters and a committee of activists like Philip working locally in every borough, TransAlt fights for the installation of infrastructure improvements that reduce speeding and traffic crashes, saves lives, and improve everyday transportation for all New Yorkers. On this episode, we discuss the L train closure slash non-closure, we're not really sure what's going on there, accessibility, fair fares, buses, accountability, congestion pricing, and so many other pressing issues. After my interview with Philip, I will speak on what we learned from Philip and my thoughts on what we learned from him. Following my summary, I will have contact information for Philip Leff, Transportation Alternatives, and myself. Please enjoy. Today I'm speaking with Philip Leff. Philip is a volunteer North Brooklyn Activist Committee Chair of the Transportation Alternatives. Transportation Alternatives was founded in 1973. It's an organization trying to reclaim New York City from congestion producing cars to a city where biking, walking, and public transportation are your main forms of transit. With 100,000 supporters and a committee of activists like Philip, working locally in every borough, TransAlt, as it's also known, fights for the installation of infrastructure improvements that reduce speeding and traffic crashes, saves lives, and improves everyday transportation for all New Yorkers. Thank you for being on the podcast. Great to be here. One of the things New Yorkers can agree on is that the MTA is in critical condition. It needs to be talked about, hence the podcast. It needs to be said out loud and discussed. That way it can be dealt with. I wanted to speak to you because you can provide us a unique perspective given on your association with transportation alternatives. For those who may not know Transall, could you give us more information on transportation alternatives? Well, we're a... Um a nonprofit issues-based advocacy group. We have uh, activists and organizers in all five boroughs. And uh, like you said, we, we fight for a more livable New York with less uh, reliance on, on the car. And um, we believe a, a city with less cars and with transportation alternatives will be safer and healthier uh, and more equitable for everyone. That is true. And we... And Public transportation really needs to be fixed in this city because as far as I'm concerned, New York City became the city it became when the subway was finally introduced and it yes. moved masses of people Yes. quickly and efficiently. Yes. Um, it, it's a bit of a misconception people have about our group that we're the bike people <laughs> and we're not for transit, which is absurd. I think everyone in our organization recognizes the key role that uh, subways and buses play in New York. And we, New York would not be New York, like you said, without subways and without our transit. So we understand how um, cycling and walking complement transit, and all, all of them come together to, to create this more livable city that we're striving for. Great. Let's start with the elephant in the room, yeah. the L train. <laughs> On Thursday, January 3rd, Governor Cuomo decided without consulting the city, the legislation, or his own MTA, it is still Cuomo's MTA, sure. that he is not going to close the, the L train tube full time. I'm sure you have tons of thoughts. In fact, you wrote a great op-ed in the Daily News where you said, quote, 
the one person who can come in and overrule years of community engagement as well as many months of planning by the MTA and the New York City Department of Transportation is frustrating. And at the same time, the person can say in the same breath that he does not control the MTA is frankly insulting. Yeah, absolutely. As, um, as someone who was at many of these uh, community meetings, um, and really, you know, we were, act, we were, as a community, asked to make sacrifices for essential work. Um, and when the shutdown was first announced, you know, in, in 2016, these meetings were extremely contentious. Um, and it was really a very, almost like a, a, a hard sell from the MTA that this work was necessary and needed to shut down. And they, they made a very good case of laying out. Well, the tunnel's also nearly 100 years old. Sure. And it, sh sure. And it should be, honestly, it should be replaced. And the only way to do that is with a full shutdown. Sure, and, and that was the, you know, it was, it was a case they made um, to the community. You can do this full shutdown for 15 months and have the service alternatives, the buses, um, the ferries, et cetera, or, you know, we do this piecemeal over three years. And, you know, there, there was a pretty broad consensus. Yes, tear the Band-Aid, bite the bullet, whatever metaphor you want. You know, we need the tunnel fixed. Let's, however we fix it, let's have ways to get around, you know, as good as we could have before. My problem right now, one of my problems, I have many problems with it as the yeah. days have gone on, is the fact that the people that he chose to make this, yeah. this study are people who don't generally use subways and yeah. have never worked on subways. Yes. They spent all their time in academia. They're also using a system that hasn't been used on a subway system in the United States. Yeah. It's been used on much younger transit systems in Europe and in Asia. Yeah. And I don't think experimenting in a tunnel that's 100 years old underwater is a good idea. Well, I'm, I'm, a yeah. I'm a safety girl. You sure. know, it's like I'm all about seatbelts and motorcycle helmets. Yeah. And it's like when the Montague closed, yeah. I was fine with that. Because, sure. okay, fix it, make it sustainable for 50 years. Awesome. Yeah. So it's like I feel safe going through it. Sure. I, I think also um, I really doubt that at the engineering schools of Columbia and Cornell they teach project management <laughs> well, they, in, in, in this that, way. And the fact that the governor spokesman actually said, well, they don't normally work on subways. I'm yeah. like, those are the last people. That, look, they can consult all they want. They can yeah. consult till their eyes fall out. But it's yeah. just like I'd rather have someone, an expert in this kind of thing. Not against Columbia or Cornell. You're, you're great schools. You've done great things. But this is something different. I... You know, in, in terms of the actual details of this plan, you know, I'm not an engineer, I'm a transit enthusiast. I'm not really going to be able to to make that assessment. Um, Neither am I. I, I just I just go with how I feel. I, I, I think you know. And I think other people feel this way too. Yeah, I, I, I think in terms of you know, in terms of how to manage these projects, I, th I think that's the thing that. You know, I don't really know what to think because, you know, the MTA construction history is pretty checkered. We're paying more, up to seven times more than anywhere else in the world for comparable projects. So East Side Access? East Side Access. Second is, Avenue Line? Second Avenue Line. East Side Access is vastly more complicated than it needs to be because Long Island Railroad and Metro North, two sides of the same agency, can't cooperate. So... You know, is there room for innovation in how MTA does things? I, I think there is. In, in terms of the basics of project management, that I really don't think they, they teach at Columbia and Cornell that you work on something for three years and then, you know, a couple months in, just completely toss it aside and, like, you know, as you said, try something that, that hasn't been attempted in a similar case. Um, the problem that I have is that, as you said, people who don't ride the subway definitely don't ride the L. They're trying to act like they're doing us a favor. And they're not. And they don't have a complete sense of it. 
that, okay, yes, not shutting it down during weekday rush hours, that in and of itself is a good thing. But what it's really missing is that um, ridership at Bedford Avenue, there, I, I just checked the numbers today in response to someone who asked on Twitter, and on average, 20,000 people a day use Bedford Avenue, 20,000 people more in a day use Bedford Avenue on the weekends than weekdays. It's about 27,000 people on an average weekday, 48,000 people on an average weekend. So that's, were they aware of that? No, probably not. There is such an assumption that, um, that, that people have that transit is just used for getting to work on the weekdays. It's not. It's like, it's, a yeah. week, it's like one of the reasons why ridership is declining is because people can't get anywhere on the weekend. Yes. It's like, especially where I live out in Bay yeah. Ridge, when the R shuts down, it's like, you, you just, sure. all right, I'm just going to stay in my apartment all weekend. And, and we've been very used to L weekend shutdowns. Anyone who's lived in Williamsburg over, over the past decade, um, weekend and overnight shutdowns have been pretty frequent. And, um, you know, for a lot of the businesses that were, were worried about the shutdown and losing traffic, a lot of these businesses were, you know, um, bars, clubs, and restaurants that do get a lot of their weekend traffic from across the city. So this, you know, when they're saying, oh, it's okay that there'll be trains on the weekends every 15 to 20 minutes, because that's what's there already, no. There are trains every four to five minutes during the week, during weekends, and they're crowded. I, I posted something on, on Twitter last night. I was, I was in, uh, I'm pretty regularly riding the L on Saturday evenings, and, you know, it's, it's standing room only. And it's as crowded as it is in rush hour from, from Union Square to Bedford. So I think it's just a really narrow reading of the situation and a, and a misreading Well, you, of it. you also have to understand that the MTA are people, the people who run the MTA yeah. don't take it. It's like the board does not take it. In fact, no. the board in December <laughs> no. was just like, yeah. well, we don't know how buses work. Explain how buses work. And like, it's like you are a member of the board of yeah. the Metropolitan Transit Authority and sure. you don't know how buses work. Sure. There, there's, the, there's that guy, Charles Mordler, who uses his MTA placard to steal parking lower Manhattan. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty grotesque that um, there is that detachment from the everyday experience um, well, of I, New Yorkers. Well, let me ask you this question. I mean, as far as the MTA board goes, should they, A, well, first of all, yeah. they need to be more representative of actual New Yorkers. Do you think that they also should be required to take public transportation and they have to pay for it? Um... You know, as Enrique Penulosa, the, the former mayor of Bogota, Colombia, said that a, uh, an equitable city isn't where poor people have cars, it's where rich people take transit. Yeah. And the goal of the MTA should be that no matter how wealthy, well-connected you are, that their transit is the best option yeah. to get where you're going. Um, I agree. So... You know, I, I, I think that needs to be the, the underlying concern. What, whatever it takes to get there, I'm, I'm for. But yes, I think the board should feel more responsible. And, and they should review this plan. Yeah. They, it's like, it's even stuff that wasn't presented to us, because I'm sure there's a lot of information that wasn't presented to us. Yeah. They need to, not yeah. only do they need to hold meetings with the board, but there needs to be public meetings. Not only in the city, but at the state. There needs to be oversight meetings at the state asking and asking the very important questions of why now? How much is this going to cost? And what about, like, you're okay, you're doing all this work at night, yeah. but what about health hazards and dust and all that stuff? There, there, we could spend an hour talking about the unanswered questions <laughs> of, of, of this plan. Um, at, there was a, a press conference earlier today with... Uh, Borough presidents from Manhattan, Brooklyn, city council members from Manhattan, Brooklyn, congressmen, senators. congresswomen from Manhattan, Brooklyn, state senators. So, you know, a, a wide variety of elected officials that are really thankfully asking these questions like, 
what about this? What about this? What about this? Well, you know, what, you know, and what's going to happen yeah. with the plan for elevators? Sure. Yeah. Are they still going to go in? The plan yeah. for the protective bike lanes? Are they still? Yeah. Are they still coming? Yeah. And the the um, HOV lanes? Are sure. they still coming? How, yeah. For all the improvements that are good. Yeah. Is this still happening? Yeah. So I think that's kind of a good segue into more of of what we're. I think our goals for Transalt are um, in that we can argue about who controls the MTA, but it's, it's Governor for, Cuomo. It, it is, but <laughs> um, MTA. It, it absolutely no is. No matter what he says. It absolutely is, but there, what there's less debate over um, is who controls New York City streets, and that's the Department of Transportation and the mayor. And, you know. There has been a lot of good work done uh, in the city recently, but, you know, let's talk 14th Street, that the, the 14th Street bus is slower than walking. Yeah. Um, you could probably crawl on your hands and knees faster than the, the 14th Street bus. True. So Everybody and their mother is in the bus lanes except buses. Well, there are no bus, there are no bus lanes on 14th well, Street that's true. currently. That's true. Um, you know, and even if there wasn't an L shutdown, you know, bus the priority. The Armada diesel buses they were sending. Well, you know, we'll get to the diesel buses later, but, um, you know, why aren't we speeding up one of the city's busiest and slowest bus routes? Um, what is the reason for not doing that? Um, you know, there's, if, if you're talking the M14D, and that goes by uh, 11th and NYCHA housing on Avenue D, and that's the only transit option for, for, for those folks. Um, there are 50,000 people that use the L just in Manhattan. Maybe there would be fewer people on the train if the bus was faster. Um, you know, 14th Street is congested and polluted. Um, why hasn't bus priority been something that's on the table before and you know there was a huge fight with with folks in the West Village about the effects of these lanes for you know people who can afford to take taxis everywhere are upset that a taxi won't be able to drop them off right in front of their building the you know outrageous class blindness and selfishness and you know the, the this, this was changed to a plan where yes you now you can get a taxi that will drop you off on 14th street um the current plan for 14th street is something um similar to what's uh, happening on a street in toronto with a with a trolley line where um just uh in a, in a car you can only go one block and then you have to make the next right turn and that's been enormously su successful in Toronto in terms of speeding up uh, the, the streetcars and making transit more reliable. So why, why can't that continue no matter what? Um, in terms of crosstown bike lanes, um, why don't we have safe bike routes across Manhattan? No matter what, even if we didn't have the L shutdown, protected bike lanes are, they're essential. Yes. This is what, you know, the, it's, I, how many people I talk to that say, oh, I'd love to bike, but I don't know, I just don't feel safe in the city. Yeah, I don't. You know, and that should not be the case. That, that just, that just should not be the case. Well, one of the reasons is congestion. And there are just too many cars. There are too many cars. There's giant trucks. Yeah. There's just, there's just a lot of unnecessary traffic yep. riding through. Yep. So let's talk about congestion pricing. Yes. Because the um, on, on December 18th, the Metropolitan Transportation Sustainability Advisory Work yes. Group released their report and provided us with some very dire news regarding yeah. the future of the MTA. If the MTA doesn't change its ways and how they manage their system and how they manage their money, in fact, they even suggested that the MTA dissolve because they're just incapable yeah. of making decisions, keeping decisions, planning projects, yeah. implementing projects, and handling their money. Yeah. And they also said that the MTA needs to find several, not just one, yeah. but several consistent and sustainable revenue streams. One of those streams being congestion yeah. pricing. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
You know, at uh, Transalt, one of our big campaigns right now is um, congestion pricing. We're part of a coalition of a number of environmental, transportation, social justice, equity groups. And congestion pricing is this really rare thing where it can, it's not the silver bullet to solving everything, but it solves a lot of problems at once. Um, that reducing the number of cars on the streets, which, you know, with fewer cars on the streets, buses are gonna move faster. Um, with fewer cars on the street, they're the, you know, it's gonna be safer. Um, with fewer cars on the street, our air is gonna be better. And, you know, to, to charge those cars to begin with, then we have this dedicated funding stream that can go towards transportation. And, you know, it goes back to how the MTA was founded in the first place, where, you know, the subways were losing money, the bridges were making money. And all the tolls you know? on the bridges yeah. were supposed to pay for the subway. But yep. it's just like, in yeah. Verrazano, sure. it's $17 to go over that sucker. And they're going to raise it. Well, it's, it's just ridiculous. Well, you know, it, it, that, that, we can get to that as, as, as a separate, there's a special issue with the Verrazano, but the, the, the point is, is that Condition pricing won't solve every problem right away, but it is the, the key first step. It's been successful everywhere it's tried, that in central London and Singapore and Stockholm, crashes are down, pollution is down, buses are faster, biking is up. You know, it's... Makes the city more livable. It, it really... It's it, not on noise yeah. pollution. No, noise, I didn't even mention noise. Um, you know, it drives you nuts with that. Um, so... We're really hopeful that with the new um, majority in the state Senate, that, um, well, hopefully a lot of good things will happen in New York, but we're really hoping that um, this will really be front and center as one of the one of the debates during the budget process. So um, in this neighborhood, all our um, assembly members, um, not all, well, we have we have our state senators on board. We have one state assembly member on board, and we're uh, we, we we feel we can get the other one too. A couple of weeks ago, you know, marijuana, the legalization yeah. of marijuana, and you know, weed for rails, yeah. and all that stuff. Um, all of a sudden, yeah, out of nowhere, and it's like, do you think that's a good idea? If it becomes legal, that it should go there, or should it go to something like schools? Because people are talking about, well, send it to schools. Because schools, public schools in New York are abysmal. So yeah. it's just like they kind of go hand in hand. Well, what's nice about um, congestion pricing is that um, transportation relates to transportation. And transportation has this kind of built-in um, synchronicity, I guess. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a match that makes sense that um, people... Who want the privilege of taking their car into Manhattan can pay for um, others to have better transit options into Manhattan. And the thing is, something like housing, something like education, there isn't quite that one-to-one -one match. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my personal opinion, and this is echoed by by others, that let's let's save something like a millionaire's tax. Yeah. For, or something like weed legalization. Let's save that for housing or education where there isn't quite that perfect link up. Which is good. Um, it doesn't get as much press as the trains do. Yeah. Um, it, but it should. It should. I, I, and I think, um, you know, the mechanics of how we get that proper funding, I'm not as interested as, as, how, as getting it. Right. But congestion pricing just has that very direct link where, where um, when, we, when we get cars off of our roads, transit works better. Yes. And as I found out from John Liu, um, when you go to Dwayne Reed yeah. and you buy like shampoo or something, yeah. part of that sales tax goes to the MTA. Yeah. If you're employed, 
Yes. Part of your salary goes to the MTA. Yes. I, I, and uh, if you own something, if you own yeah. a property, it goes to the MTA. So it makes you wonder where this money is going. Sure. And you know, there needs, as, to, be as a, there needs to be oversight at the state level, yeah. like major audits, like a forensic audit. Well, like, as, you know, as, as uh, Rodriguez was like, I want to see an audit of your books, like the real ones, not the ones that they show us, but the real well, ones. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, as, so, as, as, as we, a, need a, we need a place to, even though there was. There was a lockbox passed, yeah. but we need to have a place to put all these monies so they don't get raided and lost. Like billions of dollars seems to get raided and lost in terms of financing for the MTA for real stuff yeah. instead of pet projects and things that look nice and are pretty. Well, you know, I, th I think part of that needs to, you know, there needs to be understanding of why it, it costs so much to build stuff, why, why the Second Avenue subway was the most expensive in the world by far. I mean... Eastside Access is coming up on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a self-employed um, sole proprietor business. I fill out my tax forms quarterly and, you know, I have this separate form that always gets lost, the, the NYC MCTC or whatever. You know, that, that extra tax... Um, that, that everyone's paying that, that was added. And you know, all this stuff is like, it's just kind of kludges that were added on and, and this and this and this. And you know, something like congestion pricing just provides that more stable footing rather than, um, rather than these, these little bits and bits here and there. Um, and you know, it's it's something that um, people can afford to pay. Frankly, um, there's really this myth of the the low income drivers into Manhattan. And well, the people who can afford to drive into Manhattan to work, they can afford to park. Yeah. So it's just like if you're driving, you're parking, which means it costs you money to park, which means you can yeah. afford it. Yeah, and and you know. Time is time is money, and eight dollars a day to have a, a you know if, if you're someone who has to drive for whatever reason, and you can pay eight dollars a day to spend less time in traffic, you know time time is money. Um, it's really funny how um, how drivers just something about driving just seems to like throw that completely out the window. That people wait in traffic jams to not pay tolls, or you know it's just it, it's. Completely nonsensical, and congestion pricing introduces sound economic sense in, in, into this. Okay, let's talk about fair fares. Fair fare. The program was supposed to roll out on January 1st, yep. however, it was not. There are no, uh, when it was announced it wasn't coming out on January 1st, yep. it's like there was this question of who's eligible, yep. how are they, who's eligible, how are they going to know that they're eligible, yep. and then it was sort of released, yep. and then they're like, out of the 800,000 possible people, it's going to 30,000 yep. people, and they will be receiving a letter in the mail, Yeah. and then they have to go to an agency with the letter yep. to prove that they're worthy of it, and then this whole yeah. rigmarole and jumping yeah. through hoops to get it. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure, Speaker Johnson, that wasn't the idea that he had in mind. Yeah. Because he's been pushing for it. Bill de Blasio wasn't yeah. fond of it. So sure. that's why he dragged his feet on it. Sure. Um, and it's a, it's kind of turned into this thing that it shouldn't turn into. Well, um, you know, to give Bill de Blasio credit when um, the, the pre-K rollout pre -K turned out great. was... Um, you know, he really made that a signature achievement of his administration and put in the legwork. And, you know, it's a program that's really paying, well, going to pay he, dividends for the future. Because, that's because he wanted it. Yeah, and, and, and that, that's, that's the point I'm driving at. That, you know, obviously he did this under pressure. And it, you know, it's part of his, uh, part of his, you know, you know, uh, turf wars with, with Cuomo. And I think it speaks to just a larger sense of how the mayor just doesn't have this understanding of the role that transportation plays um, in making New York equitable. Um, that, you know, the, the, the subway is the, the lifeline of New York for, for jobs, for education, for other opportunities. 
Um, and, you know, as, as someone who doesn't ride the train very often, Mayor de Blasio... Um, you mean his armada of his, uh, his SUVs three, his, going to Parks Club to his, go to the Y to yeah. ride a bike? I wonder yeah. if they could just install an exercise bike in his office while his aides brief him. Maybe he'd show up to work before 11. Um, Maybe. You know, I... <laughs> to I, govern it's, the biggest city in America. And, and just what, what I don't... Maybe. What, 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 I, what I don't understand about that, I mean, besides the massive carbon footprint he's putting out, I, I did the calculations, and it's it's, it's, hundred, it's, it's, gross. it's hundreds of times beyond the average New Yorker. But, you know, um, I grew up in, in Park Slope, and my dad regularly goes to the, the 9th Street Y, and just, you know, he's not, like, friendly. You know, you, you can picture someone like Bill Clinton who would, like, you know, if he was going to work out at his, at his old gym, he'd, like, say hi to everyone, and, you know, but... De Blasio is just kind of in the corner on his own with his security guard in the earpiece, you know. That's that's something for another thing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think you know, the, the, when called out on, on his extraordinarily wasteful use of fossil fuels and city resources, you know, De Blasio talks about, well, you know, I don't believe in cheap symbolism. Um, uh, and, which is ironic, because his main uh, push for you know climate change is complete cheap symbolism to sue the oil companies while giving away parking placards, expanding the city fleet, and letting um, comprehensive street redesigns get stalled in the community board process. So, you know, I think... Um, the, this kind of hiccups with with fairfares, I think it's pretty emblematic of just not really understanding the intersectionality of transportation issues and how transportation and equity are linked in New York. True, that is very very true. Do you think it's appropriate to raise fares next year when getting from or this year from getting from point A to point B is questionable? I am. Absolutely not qualified to make that that decision, um, but I find it very alarming that the fare increase is not going to any service improvements. It's just going to pay off old debts. Yeah, that's um, where it's always um, yeah. I find that I find that incredibly alarming, um, especially when we're in this transit crisis and we need not only to rebuild the system that we have but to expand it. Um, it's very frustrating that we're paying more and getting less. And, um, you know, I feel like New Yorkers feel that. And, you know, part of, um, you know, one of, one of our initiatives last year was the, the L train bike train to get people ready for, for bike commuting. And, you know, we really felt that, that you know, there's a, there's a need that New Yorkers have for reliable, safe, inexpensive transportation. Um, that that um, cycling can really provide. We need to fund the MTA. We need to expand the MTA. We need to rebuild the MTA. But you know, um, we we you know for many options. You know, New Yorkers are going to demand stuff like cycling. Well, Matilde Prentiss, now Assemblywoman Matilde Prentiss, mm -hmm. on her podcast when she was running for Assembly, said something very interesting about accessibility. Yes. That accessibility is not just about elevators. Yes. It's also about being able to pay for it. Yes. And to ride the subway. Yes. On, on you know, Absolutely. pay for it. And 275 is a hardship for a lot of people. Absolutely. Especially um, if you're working two or three jobs, which a lot of people in this city are. Absolutely. Um... You know, the, I feel like transit is like education in that there's, there's a multiplier effect from it, that every dollar you spend on it leads to more, more productivity, more growth in, in, in so many other areas. True. Um, you know, if, if someone if can... If the subway works, it can get you to an opportunity. Yeah, it can, exactly. It can get you an opportunity. If you, you know have a reliable way to get to to get to college and you get those extra credits for that degree that gets you the promotion if you um you know 
if you can get to that museum and really see that artist that inspires you or see that, that band that you've always wanted to see or, you know, um, date a partner in, uh, in another part of town. You know, or in a different borough. In a different borough, <laughs> absolutely. You know. Think of all the poor people in Staten Island. Yeah. It's like, I read somewhere on dating apps, if yeah. anybody sees anybody from Staten Island, no matter how they think they'll get along with them, they just immediately just ignore them because yeah. Staten Island. It's like all the lonely hearts in Staten Island. I, yeah, and, 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 that's, and, and, and that's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. So, you know, when, when, we, t when we talk accessibility... You know, just because someone's someone's in a wheelchair, it, it's that shouldn't be. Twenty-two percent of the subways are um, accessible. Yeah, and and that's and that means that seventy-eight percent of the city is inaccessible, and sure. that's just unfair. It, it's very unfair because think about you know if you're able and yeah. your friend calls you up in the morning, and goes, yeah. hey, let's go have brunch. Yeah. All you could do is throw on a cute outfit and go to yeah. brunch. But if you are if you require a wheelchair or, yep. or any other assistance with Accessoride, you have to yep. call 24 hours in advance. Yep. You, you can't live your life. Yep. And Monica Bartley from CIDNY, when I interviewed yep. her, she talked about the emotional costs of it. Sure. And, you know... Um, of not being able to enjoy your sure. life and your friends and all that stuff. And, and speaking um, as a cyclist, I found Accessoride drivers to be some of the most terrifying on the road. Uh, from um, what I understand, they are very disrespectful and they don't take their passengers seriously. Yeah, I, I, I... Or treat them with the respect that they deserve. I, I, That's what I've heard. I, I'm not saying all of yeah, them. Yeah, ab absolutely. But, but some that from what I've heard. I, I, I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and, you know, it, it, it comes back to, to street redesigns, too. You know, we, we, we always hear, well, you know, someone in a wheelchair can't ride a bike. Um, but when bike lanes are installed on streets it slows car traffic down and it makes it safer for everyone you know especially if, if they're if they're in a wheelchair or, or you know use a walker um, and yes you know we're not going to get everyone riding bikes but you know those um, those improvements have dividends for everyone you know in terms of elevators they're for everybody. They're for everyone. They're for everyone. Our elderly, our parents, with parents their children, yes. our strollers. You know, I, I, uh, I, I was, uh, I was, I was pretty big as as a baby, and I feel really bad for <laughs> having uh, making my mom, you know, schlep me around. up, uh, schlep me up the stairs on a stroller. So I definitely, you know, whenever I see, um, you know, whenever I see uh, parents with strollers, I, I, I offer to help in that way. But, um, you know. There, you know, everyone's going to need an elevator at some point. Um, you know, I, I uh, in one of my not-so-proud moments, I was so upset at the 2016 election that I, uh, I kicked a friend's door and broke my toe. <laughs> I was limping around for quite a while after that, and I definitely was grateful to have uh, elevators <laughs> when, I, when I had the chance. So, um, so you know, it, it's a shame that whatever we're going to spend um, on extra fares next year is not going to things like elevators. And I think, too, that, you know, we, we, we can learn from other cities on how to have a, a fare payment system that, that works better. Um, there's a really great thing in um, London where... Um, you, you know, your your fares are capped for um, the the day pass rate. No. Um, okay. Even if you just have money money on your card that you add to, you know, if you there if you take if you reach a, a certain threshold of trips, you're only charged for whatever the day pass rate is. Oh, that's cool. You know, something like that would be enormously helpful. For, Let me ask you, what yeah. do you think of the current narrative of fare evasion? Oh, it, it's, it's, it's this incredible distraction from the, the mismanagement problems. and underinvestment um, that, that, you know, years of underinvestment and mismanagement at the MTA. And to shift the, the narrative from their failings to... Well, it's just another customer-blaming narrative. They do, yeah. it, they do it all yeah. the time. Before this, yeah. it was for hire vehicles, yeah. who, by the way, advertise on MTA property. Sure. 
before, and then it was our fault that they're delayed, so they yeah. put those condescending arrows on the floor. Yeah. And here's my question: If fare evasion was such a big deal, why did they get rid of accidentally turnstiles when they when they pretty up the stations? They're, they're all, and also, yeah. they got in the prettied up stations, yeah. they got rid of the floor to ceiling sure. gates. Sure. So now it's like five feet tall. So if anyone had enough wherewithal, they could just hop over the gate. Sure. And, you know, um, there, there are other cities that have designed turnstiles to make it harder to hop. And I don't really want to even spend time talking about the Fair Vision narrative because it is this massive misdirection. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not the issue. Um, and, you know, to, to use this as an excuse to, to put more cops in stations and to, and to target well, we people. Need, well, there are so few police in the stations, it seems. I mean, you see them all the time in 34th Street or yeah. 42nd Street, but you don't really see them around all that much. You know, and, and if they're there, they should be there to, you know, deal with actual Problems? Threats. Yeah. Actual threats? Yeah. Um, you know, the, this kind of blanket assumption that people are, are, you know, beating the fair for the thrill of it, and then they're going to, you know, cause problems. You know, there, there are really more complicated issues that don't have easy answers. True. Speaking of which, yeah. the other elephant in the room, Amazon yeah. and Queens. Yeah. Um, Andy Byford told Queens that uh, told Amazon that Queens is transit rich. On paper, yes, there's buses, there's the yeah. seven, but I mean, can it can barely accommodate the citizens now, the population now. So, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it can handle the influx? Do you think that they'll somehow improve the buses because you can't get another train line? Well, it would be nice if Amazon paid their taxes like everyone else and let the... I'm mad about the uh, helicopter. The helicopter. The heli oh, God, helicopters are awful I, for everyone. It's like, it's like, that's just noise pollution. We'll talk about noise pollution. Yeah. Um, you know, is it, is it fair that Amazon's going to make these, what do they call it, the pilot, the payment in lieu of taxes, that, like, they're going to decide what's best for... You know, we didn't elect Amazon to represent Queens and, and the city. So, you know, I can't really speak to the, the, the specifics of it. Um, but, you know, I would say... I would say that any large employer like that, the issue is that... You know, growth can sometimes... Growth is always going to be bad if there are more cars coming in. Um, and, you know, is, is what, 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 what commitment is Amazon making to a real low-carbon future? And we don't, we don't really have any information about that. You know, they're planning to post up on Vernon Boulevard with a chronically blocked bike lane and pretty underwhelming bike infrastructure throughout Long Island City. So we're going to have these 25,000 people getting to work in a, in a Uber? I mean, we absolutely can't have that. Let's talk about communication. There's such yeah. an aversion to communication with the MTA, not yeah. only internally, but with the commuters yeah. as well. Sure. What do you, why do you suppose there's such an aversion to communication, and how can they communicate better? Because let's face it, yeah. the... The fancy screens at some stations, yeah. the countdown clocks, yeah. the um, the app and the yeah. website don't talk to each other, and they're all run on different systems, yeah. so they all have conflicting information. Yeah, I, you know, there there was a, a really great um, design author named Edward Tufty, and either he said it or quoted someone else in saying that you know the, the style of communication reflects the priorities of an organization. Oh, this is a good one. <laughs> and you know, we, we see that very clearly that the MTA is a sprawling, disjointed bureaucracy. And, you know, I think when they want to do a good job, they can do a good job. Um, the 10-minute the, the short film they did to kind of sell everyone on why that L tunnel work was needed was, was very good. Yes, it was. Um, when they want to. When they, when, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a graphic designer, and that really touches on communications and how 
how the work that I do is how brands and organizations present themselves. And, you know, it has to be a hallmark of the organization from the top down. It has, it, it's not something that happens. It has to be... As in Governor Cuomo not talking to the board or yeah. at the MTA or Andy Byford. I would have given like a dollar to hear Andy Byford's inner monologue during that press conference. I'll tell you something about Andy, Andy Byford. Um, read uh, the interview with... Um, uh, for, 60 Minutes? Well, for, for that and for uh, recently for um, Aaron Gordon's uh, Signal Problems newsletter. And... Andy Byford, to, to, my New Year's resolution is to have the zen serenity of, of Andy Byford. Oh, he's British. And, and the, the graciousness. Um, I am amazed at, at, at how Andy Byford can, can keep pulling a crisis like this. Um, so, you know... Yes, be, be more, my, my, my advice to the MTA would be, would be more like Andy Byford. Um, let, let him be our, our, our Buddha in, in this realm. Um, you know, yeah, with communications, we, we, you know, riding the train on the weekends, it's like this cacophony of, of service change announcements. How is, how is anyone going to understand that? I've lived here my whole life, and it, it's tricky for me. And you're talking about, like, people coming in from other cities, other countries. Like, how are they going to have any idea? I try my best with, yeah. with tourists. I try to explain yep. it the best way yep. I can. And yep. the more you talk, the more confusing it gets. Yep. You know, for uh, for a while. And help you if if they if English is like their third language on their lap. Oh my! Oh my! I mean. You know, it's just like yeah. it's like I I once gave directions in my most best worst yeah. high school French. Yeah. And I felt terrible because I'm pretty sure it wasn't conveyed the way it needed yeah. to be. Sure. Um. Yeah. It, it's. Uh, you know, and, and I think they, they've tried in, in some senses, but, um, you know, I think, I think in terms of communications, and especially graphic presentation, I think this is something where going outside of the box and outside the organization, I think would be helpful um, to follow best practices from places like London and Paris and, and, and Hong Kong and, and wherever. Um, I think, you know, in particular, London mm -hmm. just does a much more effective job of communicating and presented in, in a very unified way. So, you know, that, that's a very, that's a very like weird intersection of my my work priorities, and my activist priorities, mm -hmm. which is, which are uh, it's an interesting one there. What are your thoughts on Speaker Johnson's suggestion to have the subways and buses back under the city's control? Um. You know, it was done for a little while, mm -hmm. um, and it didn't really work out, and that's why we have the MTA. I would say that whatever the mechanics of that are, um, we need to have, the, the city's priority needs to be street treatments that prioritize transit and cycling and walking. And, you know, Home controls the MTA, de Blasio controls the buses. And the neglect of buses. Get everything out of the bus. Lines. Yeah. The, 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 Including the DOT, because yeah. I see you in there all the time. The neglect of buses has really been a, just a shameful misallocation of resources. Sure. Um, you know, everyone loves the ferries. The ferries are the, the entire ferry system combined would be the 80th. Busiest bus ferry. The fast ferry doesn't dock at Staten Island. And if anybody needs additional help getting off the island, it's Staten Island. And Bill de Blasio's yeah. fast ferry plane didn't dock there. Yeah, and, so. you know, and spending hundreds of millions of dollars on this ferry system that's, that's fun, and it's fun for the people that use it, but doesn't have nearly the reach of the bus system, nope. I, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty... Shameful misuse of resources, not spending that money on protected bike lanes and street redesigns. True, because um, the buses are on the old trolley lines, and they have the tr the bus routes haven't been updated in forever. And and uh, that's a, a really key part of it. 
Um, you know, the, the, the city has changed a lot. And, you know, um, you know, you should be able to get from Bay Ridge to Williamsburg without going through Manhattan. Um, you should be able to go from... That's true. You know... Well, you can if, you, if the G was running sure. today, which it's not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that I think um, we're, in many ways, we're a less Manhattan-centered city. Well, when, to be fair, when all of this was created, yeah. it was solely for the purpose of getting to the city sure. getting back out of the city. Yeah, and... But um, they just haven't had any innovation yeah. since then. I, I think that's something that needs that really needs to be looked at. Uh, we're we're a, a less Manhattan-centered city, and there's there's centers of culture in, in all, all boroughs, all parts of the city. And this is something where... Um, you know, this, this is something where uh, a really safe, protected bike lane network would really help. Um, you know, to get from Bedside to Astoria. Um, you know, for people that aren't really convinced about biking, plug it plug it in into Google Maps, and and you'll see that you know there are many many times where a 45, 50 minute trip by by transit is is. 20 and 25 by bike and you know with with a, a safe network of protected bike infrastructure we'd have a lot more people doing that that's true did you know that the mta deep cleans the trains every eight to ten weeks <laughs> i i would uh would it was in the times i, I have I, it in the article if you want to see it i i would hope it was a little more no. um they're also, they're also planning on cutting down on sweeping out the trains at either the beginning or the end of every line for yeah. cost. They're yeah. discussing reducing the AC and the heating for cost. I also heard that they may be cutting down on overnight bus services to Staten Island for cost. Yeah. And deferring the expanding new select bus service routes yeah. to 2020 all for cost. Yeah, and... Yet, um, Eastside Access is going real good. You know, it's it's really sad. I think that these are really great examples of being penny-wise and pound-foolish. Um, you know, the, the, these are things that, that shouldn't be cut. I had the rare pleasure yesterday of being in a, uh, being in a train with an isolated car. Um, I don't... This is a family podcast, so I don't really want to go into what that means. We but, uh, but, we but, know, we know. But uh, Google that if, if you don't know what that means. Um, Those of us who've lived here long enough know what that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know when the train pulls into the station and it's like that really empty car and you're like, you know, oh, every now, there's every a... Every now and then, yeah. every now and then, it's just empty. Yeah, but you know, you, you, always, you, always gotta, you always got to poke your head in first. You just got to um, walk in like, nope. Yep. Um, you know, so... You know, the, the, these the, these are the little things where, you know, if there is less service, if it is not as comfortable, if it is filthy, you know, why... Yeah, don't touch anything. Yeah, don't touch, you know... Um, <laughs> Please, don't touch anything. You know, you know, transit shouldn't be an endurance test. No, it shouldn't. You know, same, same thing with... with with biking, what, what did what did Commissioner Trottenberg say? You know, if you're hale and hearty, or, or something like that, for biking, and you know, you know, as as a lifelong New Yorker, you know, I get it that you know it takes a little extra to live here, but a real, but you know, it shouldn't be. That whole eight to ten weeks always throw people yeah. off. Yeah, <laughs> it it shouldn't it shouldn't it shouldn't be this like unnerving, depressing slog to, to live here. And, you know, it shouldn't be something where, um, where taking an Uber is, like, that, that better option. Um, you know, and it shouldn't be that, like, people are, are soft for wanting a, a clean, direct Uber, you know, and that they're not, like, hard enough to be a real New Yorker and take transit. Like, transit should be nice. clean and nice. And reliable and fast and regular, and it's it's a shame that that it's not. If you could have Andrew Cuomo, Bill De Blasio, and Andy Byford in a room, what would you tell them? 
Um, I would tell Cuomo, let Andy Byford do his job and give him everything he wants and let this master do his work. Um, I would tell Bill de Blasio that um, to be a climate leader is not about suing oil companies or grandstanding. It's about reducing cars, making walking and cycling safer. And Andy Byford, I don't know, I want your autograph. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of him. Um, and I think, you know, he, he has the right perspective working in places like London, like in Toronto. And, 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 well, Toronto's most But, the, you know, to, to, to have that international perspective and to have an eye, you know, there's there's a flaw with New York sometimes that New York is a little has its this uh, this sense of exceptionalism that gets a little provincial, yeah. and we have a lot to learn from other places around the world, and we are not as unique as New Yorkers like to think. That's true. There are cities that are bigger, that are older, mm -hmm. that are denser, mm -hmm. that are more crowded, that are less polluted, that have a, a you know. Etc. 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 So um, we, have, we have a lot to learn from, from everywhere else, and I think uh, Andy Byford's a good uh, representative of that. What would you like to see in terms of transit in 2019? Um, I'd like to see real answers about the the L train. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I would Speak like, on it. you know, I'd, I'd like to see. I'd like to just see continued improvement. Um, I was riding the the two train down from the Upper West Side. And you know, it was working really well. Let's give credit where credit was due. The train was was fast. Nice speedy express train just like I remember back in the day. And let's see more of that. You know, let's see the little things. Let's I'm really excited about this this uh, this speed unit to make trains run uh, faster and safer. Mm -hmm. You know, there are, there are a lot of little things that, that add up to a big improvement, so I'd like to see more of that. Okay, well, great. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was, uh, that was a pretty quick hour. <laughs> so what did we learn today from Philip Leff? We learned that in order for the city of New York to be the greatest city in the world, we have to make transit effective, clean, and on time and efficient. We need to be able to traverse this city. While Transportation Alternatives does fight for, more, for a more bikeable city, it is also fighting for our bus riders. Our bus rider, riders to be able to get from point A to point B in a reasonable amount of time. Fighting for our subway riders to get from point A to point B and on time and not be trapped in dirty loud cars. They're fighting for all of us, and that's important. I know in previous podcasts, I've spoken about communication, or lack thereof, but as Philip and I pointed out in his op-ed and our discussion, what happened this week with the L is part and parcel to what we experience regularly. The governor made a gigantic decision without consulting the board, the MTA, or the city. The culture of non-communication starts at the top, and the governor, through his actions, took years of planning and careful community engagement and threw it out the window. But his decision has left us with bigger questions and concerns than the full sh shutdown ever did. We will see how this plays out over the coming weeks. However, Philip and I, and I'm sure the rest of us, will demand oversight meetings, public meetings, to fully understand exactly what is happening. More importantly, even if the total shutdown does not happen, we need to keep the protected bike lanes. We need to keep the plans for more elevators. All of these were very important things that came along with the total shutdown, and we must keep them. We need to be more proactive, innovative, 
and conscious in regards to transit. We need protected bike lanes. We need to protect the bus lanes so they can simply move through the city. We need congestion pricing and other forms of revenue to improve the switches and signals in the subway. The subway needs to be a priority along with the buses and the bike lanes. The subway is the lifeblood of this city. It needs to be clean and efficient. As Philip said, transit shouldn't be an endurance test. He is right. Commuting shouldn't be a slog. It should be something that is somewhat pleasant. Something that doesn't stress you out and just something that you do. Something that you just, you just get on the train and you're like, I'm on the train now and now I'm at my stop and now we just go on with our lives. That's how other cities do it in other places. We should start doing this. The leaders really need to start considering the commuter. Otherwise, ridership will continue to drop. Revenue will continue to fall. They need to do better. While this was not a political podcast, as Transportation Alternatives is not a political group, the MTA is a political organization. So when the time to vote comes, please vote. If you have not registered to vote, register to vote. I know we just had a major elections, but local elections happen all the time such as the race for public advocate special election coming up. And that person that you vote for on the school board probably has higher political aspirations than ultimately may impact you more than what textbook your child reads. Plus again, the MTA is in fact a political organization run by the governor with some board members selected by the governor and the mayor. You can pick up registration forms at any municipal office. You can call 1-866-VOTE-NYC and they will send you a registration form and you can mail it back. You can register online. Go to Board of City Elections in the City of New York and you can register there. As Bob Schieffer's mother used to say, go out and vote. It makes you feel big and strong. For those youngins who don't know who Bob Schieffer is, get your Google on and Google him. I used to watch him every Sunday morning on my Sunday morning nerd show, Face the Nation. Anyway, regardless, go out and vote. Let your voice be heard. That's it, everyone. Thank you for listening, and I hope that Philip, Lef, and I gave you something to think about and chew on. Remember, we're all in these tin cans together, and in order for this to work, we all have to participate or just be supportive and be in my amen corner. Here are some spots where you can reach out to Philip Leff, Transportation Alternatives, and myself. And as the four tops once said, reach out and I'll be there. Thank you to Philip Leff, associated with the Transportation Alternatives Group, for meeting with me. Find Philip Leff and Transportation Alternatives at Twitter, at Philip Leff, and Twitter at TransAlt. Website www.transalt.org. TransAlt's phone number is 212 629 Facebook, Transportation at Transportation Alternatives. One big word. Instagram, Transportation Alternatives. One big word. Find me podcast sarah at gmail.com and sarah is with an h this podcast is hosted on anchor.com on twitter at exenezoom that's e-x-e-e-x-e-n-e-c-o-o-m where i employ the hashtag how's andy's commute whenever i complain about the mta about my miserable commute or your miserable commute you're welcome also, lately, hashtag service evasion. Instagram, lights at the end of the tunnel, one big word. Facebook, lights at the end of the tunnel. SoundCloud, lights at the end of the tunnel. 
Spotify, Lights at the End of the Tunnel, Google Podcasts, Lights at the End of the Tunnel, although this app is only available for Android users. Breaker Social Podcasts, Lights at the End of the Tunnel, RadioPublic.com, Lights at the End of the Tunnel, Pocket Casts, Lights at the End of the Tunnel, Overcast, Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Thanks to Ox on the Roof for the intro music. Find them on Twitter at OxRoofMusic. Also SoundCloud, Ox on the Roof, and Instagram, Ox on the Roof. So reach out and share. The only way for this to be successful is to work together. We need to shine a light so bright they can't ignore us. Shine brightly, everybody.